Creating anything is an audacious act. It feels wildly presumptuous of us to put ourselves out there into the world while the voice in the back of the head is saying, I can't do this, or who am I to do or say this thing? Who wants to hear what I have to say? Over and over again in conversations with creative people and those that could be so much more wildly creative, I hear some version of this lament, I'm just not confident enough. And like so many of the traits we value in the creative process, we seem to believe this is a state of being over which we have no control. We're either born with it or we aren't. And I feel like ever so gently I need to call bullshit on this notion. I'm David Dushman, and this is A Beautiful Anarchy, a podcast for those who've realized that the creative life is more about what we do with our hands in the muck than with our heads in the clouds. This is episode 12, Learning to Drop, the first of two discussions about creative confidence. Let's talk about it. This is a tough one for me. I want to have a conversation about the problem of confidence and the creative spirit, but I'm not sure I'm the guy to have it. I mean, sure, I've got ideas about the subject, but who am I to put them out there? I can't even talk about confidence without second-guessing myself, which I suppose at least makes me familiar enough with the subject to discuss it experientially. I know what it feels like to lack confidence in myself, my work, and the ideas that my work represents. Like many of you, I think I live with a tension created by voices in my life, many of them from the past, just echoes that seem to have become louder as we've aged rather than disappearing the way an echo is meant to do. I've grown up with conflicting voices, my mother telling me over and over again that I could do just about anything I set my mind to, while the voice of my father, a man I saw very little, seemed to be on a loop. I still hear him saying, how could you be so stupid? What were you thinking? What was I thinking? I was six years old. I was thinking six-year-old thoughts. Aren't they kind of meant to be stupid? Add to this the voices of kids in school, the teachers, the total strangers, and eventually the inevitable critics of whatever it is we make, and it's a wonder any of us has the confidence to sign our own names without second-guessing ourselves. I want to say we're caught between external voices and the ones that come from the inside, but I'm not entirely sure that's true. When I hear the voice of my dad chastising me as a child, it's not really his voice that I hear. It's my own retelling of the story as I've retold it over and over along with all the other voices past and present. It has become an entirely different voice, a voice that comes from me, from a reluctant belief about myself that I reinforce each time I let it run through uninvited loops in my head. And because humans are so prone to this confirmation bias, we seize on any evidence that supports our existing beliefs. If we believe that we're not as creative as other people, not as naturally gifted or have fewer talents or whatever other bullshit we've been ruminating on for lo these many years, we are going to see our initial failures at any activity as confirmation that, in fact, that belief is well justified. See, we say to ourselves, I tried it. It didn't work. I'm not good at this. The problem, and it's a big one, is that for any creative effort, we need those failures. We need, often, many of them. Creativity is about change. It's about the kind of mutation that happens when we try things. They don't quite work, but they lead us to new solutions that do work. 
And then slowly, one tweak at a time, one new line in the novel, one new change to our technique as a photographer, whatever, we change it and the results slowly refine. That's how it always works. Unless you give up after the very first failure, convinced yet again that the voices are right. But which voices are right? Surely for most of us, there are the good voices, the ones that have led you to believe that there is some valuable creative spark in you. The spark that expresses itself as hope or desire, maybe even a wish, as in, I wish I was more creative. It's there, I know it is. You wouldn't be listening to this if it weren't. So why is that voice so much quieter, so uncertain? Why is that cautiously held belief so precarious in our hands? I think it's because we fail much, much more than we succeed in the creative life, and our final successes are so relatively few. So for every win in the creative life that confirms the belief that, yes, I can do this shit, this is what I was born to do, there are 10 chances to reinforce the reluctant but more established belief that we can't, that we're clearly not cut out for this. And over time, the so-called failures, the evidence that we can't do this, keeps stacking up and it feels more and more like those voices were right all along. I can't do this. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I went to theology school, for God's sakes, and I didn't even do that very well. I bailed on Greek class so that I could learn to juggle. So I'm not exactly approaching this scientifically, but I want you to hear me out because everything I just said and everything we believe about, well, about what we believe about ourselves might come down to a juggling lesson. When I learned to juggle, I was given three balls, two in the left hand, one in the right. I was told to throw one ball from the left in an arc toward the right, then one from the right to the left, then one again from the left to the right, each ball thrown before the other ball lands. Counterintuitively, however, I was told not to catch them. Just throw and let the balls fall to your feet and do that for a while. Throw, 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 and they would all fall to the ground. Now, if this is how I had juggled for what eventually became a 12-year career in comedy, you would be totally right in thinking I was a pretty lousy juggler. The seasoned performer that can't catch his juggling balls should probably move on to, I don't know, magic tricks or something. But at the beginning, dropping them wasn't failure. It was necessary. I needed to learn the pattern to build some muscle memory. It was baby steps, and once I was really good at the rhythm of throwing and dropping, I tried one round of catching. Seen really slowly, juggling three balls looks pretty simple, and it's boring, just a repeating pattern of throw, 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 catch, catch, catch. Of course, it would be easier if you could see it, but you can't, so you're just going to have to trust me on this. Over the 12 years that I was juggling, there was only a handful of people to whom I could not teach a simple juggling pattern within just a few minutes. But the few that couldn't do so were always the ones that paid more attention to the so-called failures than they did to the task of just learning the rhythm, accepting that balls were going to fall all over the place. They were the ones that saw the first balls land on the floor and said, see, I told you I can't do this, and then they would quit. Everyone else understood that dropping was not failure. It was necessary. I told them to do it, and they did. See, I think we need to redefine failure. If we can flip the script and see these first failures not as failures, nor as anything needing to look like success, then we can stop giving our brains the chance to confirm that bias, the one that says, we can't do this. 
and instead reinforce the voices that say we can. We give ourselves small wins. Go back to juggling for a second. The first task was to throw and drop. Dropping was the success. That was the task. You did it. I told you to throw the ball and drop it. Well done. And you thought, well, that was easy. I could do this. Look at me throwing and dropping. And you did it again and again. And then when it was time for catching, I took two of the balls away and had you throw one ball from hand to hand over and over again. I know very few people who can't just throw a ball from one hand to the other. Yeah, but that's not juggling, you say. No, it's not. And you're not currently juggling. But that is the task. Throw one ball from the left hand to the right hand and back. Just throw it back and forth. And then when that's smooth, I give you a second ball. Throw, throw, catch, catch. This is easy. Yes, it is. I can do this. Yes, you can. And eventually I gave you three. And yes, you dropped a few of them. But by then the damage was done. I had already given you enough wins that you believed you could do this, that it was within reach, and I had displaced the belief that you couldn't. No, you weren't the smoothest juggler at the beginning, but you could do a round of three, and when that got smooth, look at you doing two rounds, and then three rounds, and then four, and then suddenly reaching for the kerosene and the flaming torches. The basis of self-confidence is the belief that we can do it, whatever the task is. When we misidentify the task, as in, I'm going to write a best-selling song or I'm going to make a brilliant photograph, we set ourselves up to reinforce our existing belief that we can't do it because no one just writes the song or makes the masterpiece or juggles three balls straight out of the gate without a lot of so-called failure. That's not how it works. But when we identify the task as, I'm going to write the first line of a song and see if it leads anywhere interesting. And all we have to do is sit down and write that one line. And it can be total crap. Mission accomplished. I didn't say write a good line of a song. It just said write the first line of a song. And you discovered that that particular iteration didn't lead anywhere. But see, you can do this. You can write one lousy line of a song. Now do it again and again. And eventually you will find that it does lead somewhere. Because this is how it works. How it has always worked. And mutation comes from mistakes and missteps and is never what we expect. We must redefine failure in the creative life. I think, in fact, that we must eradicate the notion entirely and replace it with words like exploration, discovery, experimentation. Words that assume no one specific result. Tell yourself your task is to make a masterpiece and you will most likely truly fail. But tell yourself your task is to see where the idea leads, to experiment, to write a shitty first draft or a shitty first sentence, and you'll succeed. Because friends, I don't know anyone who can't write something shitty on their first try. The creative life is one of failed first efforts. You're meant to drop the ball so that you can concentrate on what it feels like just to throw it. Catching isn't the point, not yet. And don't you dare look over your shoulder at the guy who has been juggling for years. He has a different task than you right now, but he learned the same way you're learning. I know, he makes it look easy and we all secretly hate him, but he started out just as ugly. And what he's doing now is what you'll be doing in a year. And what you don't see is that when no one is looking, he's learning to juggle a five ball pattern and he's back to throwing and dropping, throwing and dropping over and over. And he probably thinks he'll never be able to juggle five too, but that's not his worry right now. His task is throwing and dropping and he's nailing it. 
I'm not suggesting that our struggle with self-confidence is an easy one to overcome. I'm just hoping that with some small realignments, we can make it easier to self-correct, to reinforce the needed belief or just the suspicion that I think I might be able to do this. Of course you can. The creative life is not a rhythm of success leading to success. It is a rhythm of exploration and so-called failures, of needed missteps and detours, of wild-haired ideas that lead nowhere but to other crazy notions, and every now and then to something that, to our eternal delight, feels right, feels like the obvious destination all those so-called mistakes were leading to. We do that a few times, and we begin to believe that we're pretty good at making mistakes. But not just making mistakes, because anyone can do that and never create magic. The magic comes in making mistakes and being open to see where they lead, not being sidelined by them and believing that lie that we are the sum of our failures and mistakes, because we are not. But our work often is, because that is how mutation works. We've made such an unforgiving God of art and creativity, one that demands we neither sin nor fail. But art isn't in the hands of the gods, it is with us. It's made of ashes and dust, and the best of it is the best of us, an accumulation of all the efforts and life experiences that make you uniquely you. I've only covered half of what I wanted to say in this episode, so I'm going to spread it into two, because I think in addition to believing, mostly mistakenly, that we can't do this or that and that our failures are an obstacle rather than a path to be celebrated, we also too often believe we need permission. Asking ourselves, what makes us think anyone wants to hear what we have to say? And I think it might help to talk about that too, if only to remember we all feel that way at some point. And you're not alone. Thank you so much, as ever, for joining me. If you're enjoying A Beautiful Anarchy, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on iTunes or wherever it is you listen. If you'd like more from me, you can subscribe to On The Make, a heartfelt monthly kick in the pants sent directly to your inbox. On the Make is a chance for me to address other issues in the creative life, recommend some great books, and continue to do what I created A Beautiful Anarchy for, to encourage you, remind you that you're not alone, and that the fight is worth the effort. Just go to abeautifulanarchy.com, scroll to the bottom, and tell me where to send it. I'll also immediately send you a small PDF ebook called Escape Your Rut, Five Ways to Find Your Groove Again. And every month, I'll draw the name of one subscriber to whom I will send a signed copy of my book, A Beautiful Anarchy. Until next time, go make something beautiful. 